All right. Today, we'll be sharing with you how we're going to close the tap. We've got an amazing new invention to show to you today. But first, let's move for a moment to the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. Oh, look what's there. It's our system catching plastic. We had a few tiny challenges along the way, uh, but we now have a system that's catching plastic. And to all of you who supported us so far, thank you very much for getting us to this point. <laughs> However, there is more to the story. At the Oshi Cleanup, our mission has always been to rid the world's oceans of plastic. And for that, this is, of course, just one part of the solution. To truly rid the oceans of plastic, what we need to do is two things. One, we need to clean up the legacy pollution, right? So the, the stuff that has been accumulating for decades and, and doesn't go away by itself. But two, we need to close the tap, which means preventing more plastic from reaching the oceans in the first place. I mean, we don't want to be the garbage collectors of the oceans. Uh, it would be a pretty sustainable business model, but you know, we're not in it for that. The goal here is to put ourselves out of business. So for this reason, more than four years ago, we started a secret little side project to also try and invent a solution for the other side of the equation. So you know about the solution part one, and today we're here to present to you part two. So where is all this plastic coming from? Well, the answer, it turns out, is rivers. Rivers are like the arteries that carry the trash from land to sea. When it rains, plastic washes from streets to creek to river, to ocean. And to be clear, I mean, this is all real. It's, it's completely insane. And we've just been accepting that this is what's happening day in, day out around the world. What if we could stop this? What if we could intercept plastic in rivers before it reaches the oceans? So we started looking into rivers, but very soon we discovered that unfortunately nobody knew how many rivers nor which ones needed to be tackled. So, so to quote Matt Damon in The Martian, it was time to science the shit out of this. And for that, we built this device, which you see over here. So, so this, is a, um, this is a monitoring system. And what you can do is you can attach it to a bridge. And what it does is that it scans the plastic that flows by. And then with a bit of help from artificial intelligence, it, it then allows us to automatically measure how much plastic is flowing out of a river. So we've been taking various kinds of measurements in dozens of rivers around the world. And with that, we created this, the first global model showing exactly where plastic is entering the oceans. So there's about 100,000 rivers in the world. You can see them here plotted. And what you can see, if I zoom in, this map is interactive, by the way. So 
you, what you can see is that each of these um, dots represents one river. And you too can play with this on our website, by the way. But then if I zoom in a bit further, what you can see is that the numbers next to these dots indicates the calculated amount of plastic each of these rivers emits every year. But interestingly, when you, when you rank all these rivers, from uh, all these 100,000 rivers, from uh, dirtiest river to cleanest, now this is what you get. Right. <laughs> so it's pretty obvious that just a very tiny percentage of rivers does most of the pollution. So what we, what we plotted here is the relative contribution of each river to the global plastic problem. And then what you see is that all of these rivers over here hardly emit any plastic. And then when you, see, when you arrive over here, what you see is that indeed just a very small percentage of the rivers does most of the problem. Then what we can see is that 1,000 rivers are responsible for roughly 80% of the world's plastic pollution. That's 1% of rivers doing 80% of the damage. By the way, it's not uh, 10 rivers. You, you may have seen that number going around on the internet. But it's still a small number compared to the total. So 1,000 rivers. Remember that number, OK? So if you're looking for a way to rapidly reduce the amount of plastic going into the oceans, it would clearly make sense to focus on these heaviest polluting rivers. But if this is such a logical thing to do, why on earth isn't it happening today? Well, it turns out there are actually a few places where plastic is already being taken out of rivers. And and this is amazing, pioneering work. And they actually do the job really well in their specific locations. But this is a global problem. And unfortunately, one-off bespoke initiatives don't scale. They're simply not applicable to most of these polluting rivers. And even if they would, at the current rate of rivers being tackled, it's going to take hundreds of years to solve the plastic pollution crisis. But the oceans are suffocating. We just don't have the time to wait for that. What we need is a global solution right now. So what we need is a scalable solution. What we need is a product, one integrated system that you can bring anywhere in the world, install within days, and that just works. That's the missing piece. That's what we need to close the tap and it doesn't exist until today.
seeing behind me is the Ocean Cleanup's Interceptor. And it's the world's first scalable river plastic solution. Now, I could probably talk about all its amazing features for days, but let me just point out a few that are most important about this. First of all, it's 100% solar powered. And this is vital because it means that you're not reliant on any uh, grid connection or diesel supply to make it work. And you also don't have an issue with any uh, noise or nasty fumes. And, and thanks to its lithium ion batteries, it can use this solar energy to, to power the system day and night, even during winter. Now we see it even works here in the Netherlands and we basically don't see the sun for half a year, so it should be good. Now, secondly, the interceptor is designed to operate fully autonomously. No help required, you just need to empty it once in a while. And this is important because it means that you're not reliant on any um, uh, dirty or dangerous manual work. But of course, the most important feature is that the interceptor can extract plastic with very high efficiency. And to demonstrate that, let's bring on the rubber duckies. Like literally rubber duckies. Okay, so here we go. Follow me, guys. So welcome aboard. This is the interceptor. And if we then follow me to the, to the front. So the, the way the interceptor works is that the system is anchored to the riverbed and makes use of the natural flow of the river. Now, the first thing that the plastic encounters uh, when it's flowing through the river is the barrier, which you see over here, which guides the plastic to the mouth of the interceptor. So this is the barrier, plastic comes here, and then what you see over here is the, the conveyor belt, which then scoops the plastic out of the water. And you can see that the, um, the, the, the duckies almost get sucked into the interceptor, and um, this, is in, this is essential because for autonomy to work, you can't get this thing, uh, you can't get the interceptor clogged all the time. So as a solution, we made the belt permeable. And behind the belt, we created a flow channel so that the water flow can continue through the whole interceptor without interruption. So, and that's what's creating the suction effect. So it's, it's really these, these tiny details that really make the big difference for the efficiency. Now, the interceptor can extract 50,000 kilos of trash per day. That, that's a lot. That's the equivalent of about one million uh, soda bottles in a single day. And actually, in, in the right conditions, we think we can actually double this. So um, if we then move to the center of the machine. Then what you see here is what we call the shuttle. And it's basically a basket on wheels. So what happens is that here at the top, 
of the, um, the conveyor belt, the plastic travels into the shuttle, which then distributes the plastic across these six dumpsters. Thanks to this, the interceptor can store huge amounts of trash. It can buffer 50 cubic meters of trash. And for those uh, not familiar with the metric system, this equates to 271,000 Rubik's cubes. So, just so you know. So what should happen is that uh, once the shuttle is full, that the, um, the shuttle should move and dispose of the waste in one of the dumpsters that's not full yet. So let's see if that happens. So it begins a bit slowly, just for, to avoid debris from falling from the back. And then it arrives at the position. It has uh, ultrasonic sensors to measure how much debris. And there you have it. All right. While we are here on the interceptor, there is one more cool thing which I'd like to show you. So, so this is the uh, this is the onboard computer, and this is basically the brain of the interceptor. So, on it we can see all the systems data and diagnostics. So here we can see um, sort of all its um, its energy system data. Uh, you can see the health of each of the components. Um, you can change different kind of uh, cleanup modes. Uh, here you can see uh, how full each of the dumpster is. And it's actually internet connected. So, um, so this interceptor, so we can actually see um, all the data of all these interceptors from around the world. So we can continue to monitor this 24-7. Monitor this and then um, we start to move back. So, and actually, the, um, every time we improve the software, we can actually update this over the air like your smartphone. And every time the, um, the dumpsters are almost full, the interceptor automatically sends a text message to the local operators to come and collect the waste. It should be almost full. So, and, and the idea here was to make this operation basically as easy as emptying your vacuum cleaner. It's, it's just a bit bigger. So when the, uh, the barge is out, how can the system continue to extract plastic? Well, we thought about that. So actually, the, um, while the barge is out, the system can continue to extract plastic because it can use the shuttle as a temporary buffer. So you can actually just continue operating this thing 24-7. Um, we won't let the plastic reach the oceans. What do you think? What about passing boats? Well, for that, we, um, we took these micro GPS trackers, which we then put inside plastic bottles. And then when you throw these plastic bottles in rivers, which feels pretty wrong, by the way, but you know, for science, um, what you see is that in certain points along the river, virtually all of the plastic is flowing through this very narrow band, which means you can strategically place the interceptor right there where the plastic goes without having to block up the entire river. So I, I must stress that this effect is not present in, um, in all rivers, but, but when it's there, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. And if not, you can, um, you can deploy the barriers like this, allowing boats to go through even though you're still capturing the width of the river.
another obvious question is that, that rivers are pretty rough environments. So what about reliability? Well, firstly, the, the interceptor is built like a tank. It's, it's really, really tough. Uh, it has like six millimeters of steel for the pontoons. We think that with the right maintenance, this thing can continue operating for more than 20 years. And we engineered the nose of the interceptor to be able to deflect big objects like trees, which could otherwise you know, enter and do harm to, to the machinery. And because it's designed like a catamaran and has a very low center of gravity, this thing is super stable, so it will stay upright no matter what. And, and now for my, for my favorite thing about the interceptor. So this part, it's a pretty random part, but it will make sense in a bit. So this, this thing you might recognize as being part of the, um, the fendering, which you see there on the side of the system. We had to make it from plastic, so then we thought, well, let's make it from plastic that we've taken out of the ocean. So I think that's just full circle. It's pretty cool. Isn't it? Yeah. Um, no. Let's talk about cost for a moment, because you know, economics are key in making this plan work. You know, if it's too expensive, you know, the cleanup is simply not going to happen. And it does look pretty expensive if I said so myself. So, but actually, it, it, it's not. And I'll, I'll explain that uh, why in a bit. So really, the, the key metric that truly matters is the cost per kilogram of plastic collected. Now, because the interceptor is so efficient at harvesting plastic, and because it's a series-produced product, it's looking to have by far the lowest cost per kilogram of any existing solution. But the real game changer is this. Together with Deloitte, we calculated the cost of not intercepting plastic in rivers. So we mapped the impact on industries like uh, fisheries and tourism for almost every coastal country in the world. And this is what we found. Deploying interceptors is even cheaper than deploying nothing at all. <laughs> so this means that every day countries are not investing in intercepting plastic in rivers. They are losing money. To clean or not to clean, that is no longer a question. So when is it actually going to start cleaning? Well, have another look at the interceptor. You might notice a certain number on it. You know what this means, right? Do you know what this means? Do you really know what this means? It means that right now, Interceptor 1 is cleaning in Indonesia. This is in Jakarta. <laughs> it means that right now, Interceptor 2 is cleaning in Malaysia. This used to be one of the heaviest polluting rivers in the world. And it means that right now, interceptor number three is prepared to be deployed in Vietnam. This is, this is our yard in the Mekong Delta as we speak. And then we come to interceptor number four. Remember these videos? going viral earlier this year. 
This was filmed in the beautiful Caribbean country of the Dominican Republic. But after heavy rains, its crystal clear waters turn into this. All this plastic that you're seeing here is coming out of a single river, the Rio Osama. This machine, this very machine, is going to the Rio Osama. And these images should soon be history. Now, Dirty river in, clean river out. So, <laughs> it's, I, it's, well, thank you. <laughs> but there is more. <laughs> there is more. And it's actually. <laughs> But it's actually really quite satisfying to watch these videos of this trash going up the conveyor belt. So we'll probably put the live streams online for all of you to see. So it's kind of fun. Um, but there is more. There is actually a few more things. So, so now that there is a scalable cleanup method, the, the next step, obviously, is to scale it up. And we're proud to say that several places have now already signed up to join us with starting to scale this up next year. And these include Thailand, which is actually currently chairing the ASEAN conference, and LA County. And yeah, thank you. Yeah. So, so the fact that it's still relevant to deploy in, in advanced economies like uh, the United States shows that this is not meant as a replacement for good waste infrastructure or any other prevention activity. Now, this is an extra safety net, a supplement, if all else fails. Yet, out of all the possible things that we could do and that we should do, this is the only path that I could think of that could rapidly close the tap. Well, how fast? Now, Remember that number of 1,000 rivers doing roughly 80% of the pollution? Our goal is to tackle those 1,000 rivers in five years' time. Now, um, you know, don't get me wrong. I mean, this. This is not going to be easy. But imagine if we do get this done, we could truly make our oceans clean again. That's a future to look forward to. But this is something we cannot do alone. We need your help to make this happen. We need countries to commit to river cleaning. We need companies to help with funding and operations. And we need you to tell the world to close the tap. Thank you. <laughs>